Welcome to the Lead Gen Leaders Podcast, connecting you to the leading minds in home improvement to discuss all things marketing and leadership. And now, your host, Kyle Powers. Welcome to the Lead Gen Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Powers. I have a very exciting show for the listeners today. My guest today has spent over 20 years perfecting how to generate leads for contractors through many different mediums where he mainly focuses on websites, SEO, social media, and TV and radio. But he is most known for identity. And that is what we are going to be speaking about today and how identity can really up-level your business and help sell more jobs and create more leads. I'd like to welcome to the show, Rich Harsha. Hello, Rich. Hey, Kyle. How you doing? I am pretty fantastic. How are you doing today? Uh, just another day. Doing good. Lots of work. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, and our, our industry right now in the you know home remodeling, home services space is, is definitely a lot of work. I mean, pretty much everybody I talk to uh, says they're busy. I have a feeling if you're not busy right now and you're you know in this industry or support this industry, there's something wrong, so... Uh, so definitely feel uh, yeah, there. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, hey, super excited to have you on the podcast uh, today to talk about uh, identity. Uh, and, you know, from talking to all of your clients that have also been clients of mine uh, for different things, that's one thing they really mentioned to me that, you know, you and your firm is is exceptional at, and that is creating an identity for them throughout their marketing, their copywriting on, on their website. But before we really get into t- to talk about that, uh, could you give the listeners maybe a little background, you know, who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, I am a I'm an old school marketing guy. I learned marketing back in the early to mid 1990s from the likes of Jay Abraham and Dan Kennedy and some of those direct response guys, USP guys, and uh, started my own company right out of college in '94. And um, a lot of things happened in the first 10 years of my career, but uh, as it's relevant to this conversation. Uh, I got involved in the home improvement remodeling industry in 2005 uh, via an invitation from Tim Mush over at MarketSharp to appear on a webinar that he was doing. And once uh, we did that webinar, there's like three, 400 people on that webinar, which was really cool. And it was received really well, got a lot of positive feedback. And I asked Tim Mush afterwards, I said, hey, um, who's the marketing guru? in this industry because every industry has its little gurus, you know, sales gurus and marketing gurus and stuff like that. And he said, there really isn't one. That's why I reached outside of the industry to me uh, at the time I was not in the industry to, to do this webinar. And uh, I said, well, Hey, you know what, let's do some uh, seminars. What do you think? Cause uh, that was a good way for me to get in front of people and, and find clients. And we did, I want to say in 2005 and six, we did something like 30 locations across the country, one day seminars sponsored by Market Sharp, went all over the country. And, you know, it was it was a real uh, threw a bunch of gasoline on this <laughs> this home improvement part of my business. And I really haven't looked back. That's all I do now. We work in the home improvement industry, the uh, home services, uh, HVAC, stuff like that. 
and that's all we do. So we build websites, we do search engine optimization, we help companies with advertising, TV, radio, Facebook, YouTube, stuff like that. We do social media. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what we do. But like you said, this this concept of identity is is kind of our secret sauce. It's the it's the thing that really makes us different. Absolutely, and uh, and like I said to open the show, you know, talking with a lot of our similar clients that we have together, that is the one thing that they keep bringing up is you know the identity. And so, can you maybe speak about you know on a high level term, you know, what is identity? What do you you know? What's your, I guess two minute elevator, you know, speech on the, you know, identity and why it's important. Well, to explain what identity is, I think it might be helpful to first explain what it isn't and what it isn't, or maybe the opposite of identity would be what I call platitudes. Now, what I'm talking about here is when you're communicating with somebody in a marketing environment, websites, advertisements, home shows, door knocking, stuff like that, Platitude are words or phrases that are really common, they're predictable, they lack power, you know, they've been overused repetitively, but they're stated as they were as if they were original or significant. We got the best service, the highest quality, we're a family-owned business, you know, free estimates. And, and people hear that stuff and they're so conditioned to hear those kinds of statements that it really doesn't mean anything. So what we're talking about here is really about communication. We're talking about communicating in a way that is a lot more powerful, that focuses in, well, I'll give you our standard definition of identity. It's using words, phrases, and images that are articulated with power, precision, and passion that instantly and definitively communicate who you are, how you're different, why you're better, and what customers can expect when they do business with you. And you know, the funny thing is, Kyle, most companies are pretty darn good at this when they get in a sales environment in the house with the customer. They tell the customer the, you know, their company story. They can differentiate how their company uh, does things differently. But if you go look at that same company who's got a great salesperson who's good at this, you look at their website, you look at their advertising, you look at their home show booth, you look at the flyers they're handing out, it, it's full of platitudes. It doesn't tell their story. Yeah, I would I would agree that uh, you know even companies that do okay in some parts of their marketing to tell their story, it certainly isn't congruent all the way through all of their marketing from their website to you know their flyers to you know whatever it may be that they're putting in front of the customer you know on the marketing level, and then a lot of times what they're telling in that marketing isn't necessarily what the, you know, in-home salesperson is also saying. And so it's, you know, very jumbled to the consumer uh, about, you know, who they are and what they're getting. And I think uh, when that happens, when you don't have that story of who you are and why you're different, um, it just becomes a, a commodity then. And it's all really about price. And, you know, the, I think that's when, uh, when you get that right, I think is when you can charge better pricing uh, and you can have higher, you know, set rates and conversions through, you know, out the marketing funnel all the way down to even, you know, better close rates again with that higher average sale price, you know, because you've gotten all that right. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Let me give you an analogy. <clears throat> Let's go old school. Okay. Let's say 
how, how long ago has it been since malls were relevant? Let's go back to the mall era. Okay. So let's say that it's, uh, you know, the nineties, early two thousands, and you want to buy a pair of running shoes. Cause Kyle, I know that you, uh, do endurance, uh, sports, triathletes, triathlons, things like that. So say you're going to go buy some running shoes and you're going to go to the mall. So here's the question. When you go to the mall, let's say that there's three or four or five stores that sell running shoes, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the question. When you go to the mall, which, which running shoe store, which athletic shoe store do you go to first? And I'll answer the question so I don't make you guess. The answer is you go to whichever one happens to be closest to the door of the mall that you happen to go into. Yeah. So here's what happens. You go in. You see a store, you go in, and here's what you see. You see running shoes over here and basketball shoes over here and aerobic shoes over here, and in the middle it's all clothes and apparel. And you look at the shoes and you say, okay, I, I'm interested. And you look at the prices and you kind of narrow in on, you know, do you want really expensive or mid-level or cheaper shoes? What kind of brand, what style? And then here's what you do all the time. You walk out of that store and you wander through the mall to the next shoe store. And when you wander into that shoe store, here's what you find. About the same selection of shoes at about the same prices with the basketball shoes over here and the running shoes over here. And, you know, they got pole vaulting shoes. It's very specialized apparel in the middle. And you realize that the prices and the styles and the selections are about the same. So here's what you do. You wander out and you go to the third store. And by the time you look at the third store, you got the same shoes, same apparel, same everything, roughly speaking. You decide, okay, this is all about the same. So here's the question for you, Kyle. Where do you buy the shoes? First, second, or third store? Uh, for me, probably the, the third store. If they're all the same, I don't have to go back to another one, and I just grab a pair and get out of there. The answer is probably either the first or the third store. You might buy at the first store because you might have spent the most time there, and you might feel an obligation to the salesperson there. Totally but more likely, that. what you said is probably true. Well, here I am. I don't want to have to mess with this. Here's the shoes. I don't even need to try them on. I already did. Just give them to me. Right. But here's the here's here's why I'm giving you this this old school analogy, because we have a scenario where you've got customers, excuse me, prospects that are interested in buying. What do you want to use for an example here? Windows, siding, sure. roofing. Let's yeah, use, we, let's we use siding. Okay, siding works. Windows, too. great. Yeah. So we want to buy windows. So they look at the first website which is like a shoe store in the mall but it's the contemporary version and they go oh, okay this looks pretty good they got you know windows awesome and then they go out of that store back to google and then they go into the second store which is another link and they go oh, okay this one looks a little bit different but basically the same and then they go to the third one and at the end of that experience, it's it's no different than that old school mall shoe store situation where the, it all kind of looks about the same. So you end up buying where you just kind of happen to find yourself or where you happen to think it looked a little bit nicer, a little bit prettier, or a little bit something. And nobody's really buying based on what your company is all about, who you are, how you're different, why you're better, what customers can expect when they do business with you. So. If, again, if you if you look at the difference between marketing and sales, you take a salesperson, you send him into the house. He's going to very articulately, hopefully, if he's any good, explain those things, who you are, how you're different, why you're better. But again, in the marketing, which is it, it predates the, the sales meeting. If you don't do a good job in the marketing, you may not even have a chance to 
send your salesperson in there. Correct. And so that's it's a, all about communication. And yeah, and that's the thing you can't measure is what are you missing out on? Uh, because you don't have that right marketing that tells the proper story. Uh, and, you know, and then also something we've also talked a lot about is, you know, having the reviews and the, the customers telling your story also behind that, um, you know, that's the one thing you can't measure is what, what do I miss out on because I have an old website that doesn't tell a story and I don't have any reviews uh, and I don't understand why all these companies are super busy and I'm really not because uh, I don't have a ton of leads. You know, you don't you don't see what you miss out on. <laughs> Uh, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. You know, where, where the, where the mall shoe store analogy diverges and it is not consistent with home improvement companies is that the stores are actually pretty much all about the same. Whereas home improvement companies, you know, I would ask your audience to, to ask themselves this question. Here it is. Are you actually in reality, Okay, really, no BS, not just trying to make yourself feel better. Are you actually better than your competitors? And I've asked that question to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of remodelers, and they all look me in the eye, yeah, we're better. Okay, how? And that's where the rubber hits the road, and that's where the conversation of identity starts. How are you different and better? Yeah. And cause I think, you know, a lot of, uh, as I get around and work with clients, you know, I usually hear from them that, you know, Hey, I started my business because, and it was usually to do with something lacking because they thought they could do it, you know, better, faster, stronger, you know, however you want to say that than the company they were at or the other companies that they saw. And, you know, the interesting thing is we, we have one client in specific uh, that we've both done a lot of work with, and we were just talking about him on our pre-call. Uh, and, you know, the one thing that I found was interesting when I was out there doing my brand ambassador program with them and going in uh, to the consumer's homes, you know, after the install, uh, you know, getting reviews and referrals and all that kind of stuff from them, I, I would always ask the one question, you know, how did you find us and, and why us? You know, why did you choose this company? Um, and, you know, what was interesting is they all stated the facts of what that company story was, who that company was is what they fell in love with that, uh, you know, this company happens to have uh, Christian values uh, and that runs throughout a lot of their, their marketing and their sales. And in that area of the country, they do extremely well with that and the people gravitate towards that. But I just found it interesting that it wasn't, oh, we thought they were a great company. It was, oh, we thought they were a great company because they believe this and they do this and they've done this throughout the process. Uh, so I think that's what happens when you get all that really right uh, is you, you create uh, an experience, you know, with the customers. Because uh, it's always interested me that when I go around the country and, you know, knock on someone's door and they're like, oh, I just got windows done. And, oh, no kidding. Who did it for you? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I'd have to get their card out. Like they can't even remember who they just dropped, you know, 10, 15 grand with six months ago to work on their home. And to me, that tells me that that wasn't someone that was memorable. And, yeah, and that's what it's you know, really all about. So I, I said a minute ago, it, it, the, the key question to start the process is, well, what actually makes you different? Let me, let me state that slightly different because this speaks to what you were just talking about. That company that you were referencing, that's, that's our joint client. 
They have a great reputation. A great reputation. And the reason the reputation is so good is because for years, I don't know how many years that company's been in business. It's been a long time. Yeah, a long time. They have, they have engineered that company to do, quote unquote, everything right. And like anybody else, they mess up from time to time. That's part of just being a human. But they make sure that if anything goes wrong, they bend over backwards to triple make sure that it's triple right. So then the question is, okay, reputation, that's a great word. But, okay, what specifically have you done that allows you to have such a great reputation? And I'll give you an example with that company that comes to mind. That specific company, because I ask them this question. This is part of the identity process. And we talk about things like core values. And I say, what are your core values? And they say, well, one of our core values is integrity. Okay, well, here's one way you can communicate that in an advertisement. Our company has integrity. And everybody hears that and they yawn because it's a platitude. Remember, mm-hmm. we started there with the word platitude. So here's what I said to them. And I would challenge your listeners right now to ask yourselves these same kind of questions. I said to that guy, hey, if your company has a core value of integrity, then there must be some way to show how you manifest integrity in your company. Because if you can't give me an example or a story of a time when you've manifest integrity in your company, then it's not actually a core value. It's just an aspirational theme. He goes, oh, no, no, we, we demonstrate integrity all the time. I said, well, give me an example. And he told me a story about a customer that was not happy after the job. And he, they went out and they, they tried to figure out what was, was the problem. And there was some kind of a leak involved. I think it was a roof situation. And they determined that the problem that caused the leak had nothing to do with them. It was an external factor. And they fixed it on their own nickel anyway yep so here's what we do we take that story and we get the details that was the very general version of that story the detailed version is hey we were over at this house in this town in this month and we were doing this job and we installed it and it was this much money and the customer was happy and then three and a half weeks later this happened and this external factor happened there was a leak. We went over. We tell the story in detail. The details make it believable, and that's where trust comes in. And then at the end of that story, yeah, so we did this and this and this, detail, detail, detail. It ended up costing us $3,341. Uh, we didn't feel like it was our responsibility, but we did it. with. We paid that money and put that effort in. We did it with a smile because it was the right thing to do because the client was unhappy, and they felt like it was our fault because they didn't understand that this third, you know, this external factor. That's just the way we are. That's what we do. And when you tell that story, and now we put that, what we can do with that story now? I can take that story and I can put it in a blog post, put it on the website. That becomes what I call diggable content. I can take that same story. I can create it into a video. I can push it out via social media. This client we've also recently put on the radio. Now we go on the radio and say, hey, when it comes to home improvements, you know, the industry doesn't have the best reputation, but let me tell you a time when something happened, blah, 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 you tell the story, tell the story, and people hear that, and here's a word that you used earlier, Kyle, I think it's super important, consistency. We're telling the story in the website, we're telling the story in videos, we're telling the story in radio ads, we could put that on television, uh, uh, a salesperson could tell that story in the home. But that's just one story, right? Because we look at this, 
let me give you a concept. It's called the uh, five pillars of identity. So what we want to do is say, okay, if you're going to break this down and talk about who you are, how you're different, why you're better, and what people can expect when they do business with you, here's the areas for remodeling companies that you can start to identify these identity identity points. The first one is your products. And this one's pretty obvious. Like most window companies, uh, last Saturday, I did my first live event in like a year since the pandemic. And I stood in front of 100 people and I said, hey, who sells windows in like three quarters of the hands went up. Okay, who in this room that sells windows feels like your window is actually better than the competitor's windows? And they all put their hand up. Okay, great. How is it better? More stronger? Is it more durable? Is it more energy efficient? Does it look better? Does it come in more colors? Is it more secure? Does it operate easier? Do you have more selection? Does it have a better warranty from the manufacturer? Is it more effective? Does it last longer? Does it have a tighter fit? Is it more heavy duty? What is it? And we have to break it down and be able to explain that. But products are just one of the five pillars of identity. And it's the one that most people have at least some decent handle on, especially salespeople, right? You get in the home, they're going to talk about how that window is different and better, right? But here's the other four things. And these are probably even more important. The second one is workmanship. Not cutting corners, attention to details, doing it right, slowing down quality materials, expertise, experience, no subcontractors, training, installation standards, warranties. Then you've got the third pillar is bedside manner. How you treat people, are you punctual? Do you communicate well? Accurate quotes, no sales pressure, no pricing gains, cleaning up after yourself, the way your workers look, your hiring standards, listening to people, respecting, on time, finishing on budget. And then the, third, the fourth one, excuse me, is core values. I mentioned that a minute ago integrity, respect, compassion, teamwork, enthusiasm, et cetera. And then the, the fifth uh, pillar of identity is culture and reputation. It's your company culture, it's community outreach, it's your reputation, financial stability, your origin story, accolades and awards, associations, the heritage of your company, promises that you make, warranties, okay? So what you wanna do is take these five pillars of identity and you want to look at each of them and say, okay, come up with two or three things under each of those categories that really maps well to your company. Like things that, like, like if you look at these core values, integrity, respect, compassion, teamwork, enthusiasm, accountability, trustworthy, friendly, reliable, you, you would probably say, well, we do all those things. Okay, true. But which ones do you really lean into? This is what we're talking about. The DNA of your company. Yeah, which ones really define you? Let me give you an example. I work with a heating and air conditioning company out in California. One of their seven core values stated on a huge poster on their wall and all over their website is punctual. Now that's important for, for uh, service companies, right? More so probably than remodeling companies, but go with me on this example. Their core value is punctual. That company in six years that I've worked with them, I meet with them every single Tuesday they have never been late for a phone call with me, except probably about 10 times. And in all 10 situations, they texted me and said, hey, we apologize. We're running two minutes late. We'll call you at 3.02. They fine their managers $10 per minute that they're late for managers meetings. Yeah, that truly is a core value of theirs. But now guess what we can do? 
we can start telling stories because this is where the rubber hits the road. It's not just, hey, we're punctual. Any, any service company could say we're punctual, but what if you now went on the radio and I'm not saying that people have to be on the radio, but it's just an easy way to communicate on a podcast right. to communicate how a, an ad would sound. It's easier than here's a print ad. What if you went on the radio and said, hey, lots of companies out there doing uh, heating, AC, plumbing, say that they're punctual, they'll be on time. We really mean it. It's one of our core values. In fact, in our managers meetings, we fine our managers $10 for every minute that they're late for any kind of meeting and we hold three meetings a week and i want you to know in the last five years combined <clears throat> the total amount of fines that we've levied against our managers for being late has added up to thirty dollars three total cumulative minutes out of over 870 meetings and over how many ever i'm making this up of course 15 managers we've had three cumulative late minutes. That's because in our company, we're serious about being on time. Look, you don't wanna sit around all day waiting for the repairman to show up. You don't wanna to have to rearrange your schedule, miss work, arrange childcare, all that kind of stuff, and then have to sit there and wait for the guy to show up and he's not there when he's supposed to be, we'll be there. We've got a track record inside, outside, everywhere. We're always on time. Now people hear that and they go, huh, company must be on time guess what they're on time stories yeah and so uh you know that's a a great story you know to tell and i think that's the problem um that you get at is uh, most companies they'll come up with those ideas uh those pillars or they come up with a mission statement or vision statement and it's just something that just sits on their wall and and looks cool and, and is maybe in a few things but they certainly you know don't talk about to the consumer how they live and breathe that but even to their employees and i think you know the companies that really get it right it radiates throughout their entire business uh and through their people their mission their vision you know who who they are and and why they are and and anyone can recite uh pretty much what it is and they all feel that and buy that you know buy into that and that is their culture because if they don't buy into it they're not a fit for that company because they don't you know they don't radiate that so uh, that's just what I've seen from my travels is the companies that really do it right. I mean, when I was out visiting, you know, our, our client that we have in Indiana, it was just kind of a breath of fresh air because they really get that right. Their culture radiates throughout their entire business from the person I met at the front desk to the person I trained to their sales managers and all the way into when I visited with their production department, they all live, you know, and tell those, those pillars of their business. A hundred percent. And uh, it all starts with the management and the ownership of the company and the leadership of the company. But you know what? Here's the thing. Realistically speaking, Kyle, the kinds of companies that you're dealing with, for the most part, similar to the companies that I work for, with, for the most part, they're, they're actually really good at what they do. It's, it's not like I, I rarely come across a company that just sucks. And it's like, you know, you really need to fix your company before we can do business. Usually the companies that are coming to me are already doing things well. It's just a matter of now finding that story and telling the story. And, and honestly, truthfully, most companies are pretty lousy at it. They're good at running their company and doing things well. They're lousy at communicating it. Agreed.
Agreed. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I think for the listeners, you know, some of the gold that you've already talked about is, is I think really defining, like you said, those two or three things that really separate them, that, you know, really defines who they are and those pillars. And so real quick, again, you said the five pillars, uh, were products, workmanship, you know, bedside manner, core values in culture and reputation, correct? Correct. And so I, I think a, a good little exercise for the, the listeners would be, you know, if you haven't already defined those and have stories behind them, just to sit down and, and do a little exercise with that with your leadership team and see what you come up with and where that could fit into your marketing and into your company, you know, going forward. And I know some of those meetings inside of companies can be, you know, tough to do, especially at a time like now, like we said, it's, it's very busy. It's, uh, it's, it's Tony said the other day, you know, the fish are jumping in the boat right now. Uh, you know, it's, it's relatively easy to get a lead right now and, and to make it happen, uh, just in the current state of our economy and stuff. Um, and so I know when it gets busy, you know, we tend to get sloppy. And so to really do take the time to, to figure these things out because it can really create, you know, your legacy and, and everything moving forward. Uh, when maybe times aren't so great, those are the things that you can really stand by and, and, and do well with. Oh, would you agree with that? Well, a hundred percent. Let me give you a contrast. Okay. So a lot of companies, when they start out, I would say most companies, when they start out, they, they need leads, they need business. So they, they generate leads typically based on some kind of an offer, some kind of a price, you know, you might hear for a window company, uh, buy one, get one free or buy three, get one free, something like that. <clears throat> Let's say that that company grows, they get bigger and they increase their advertising budget, but they don't ever mature up in their marketing messaging. So now this company is spending a million dollars a year on radio and television, Facebook advertising, things like that. And they've got a message that essentially says, buy one window, get one free, or buy three windows, get one free. Or if you buy it by seven o'clock, we'll give you 30% off or some version of that. Hey, those offers all sound familiar to you? Yep. So here's what you're doing now. You're out there communicating to the marketplace a message and all they have to go on is what you tell them. They don't know you. They don't know your reputation other than what you tell them. You have an ability to control what they think about your company to a great extent. And if they hear you on radio, television, Facebook, those kinds of things for five years saying that if you call now, you'll get one free. You've just conditioned that prospect to think that, Oh, if I want to get it cheap, I'll call this company. That's what you've conditioned them to think about you. Now let's go back. Let's say that we go to these five pillars of identity and we find two or three uh, identity points within each of those five pillars. So we've got, let's say 12 to 15 identity points and we start creating commercials ads. And again, consistently, we want to put this on our website about the things that we've just talked about, whether it's punctual, like I gave an example, like whether it's integrity, like I gave an example earlier, I could give you a, an unlimited amount of examples for time. I won't, but if you're communicating actually who you are, how you're different, why you're better, what people can expect when they do business with you over the course of a year, two, three, four, five, six years, a hundred thousand dollar year budget, $300,000 year budget, a million dollar year budget. It really starts to sink in. One of the clients that you're about to start working with, with your brand ambassador program is my client uh, in Kansas city, Jericho. 
And this company, they hired me in 2015. They said, we're good at marketing. We spend a ton of money. We get good leads. But we want people to understand this concept of identity. We want them to understand who we are, how we're different, why we're better. So we went to work. Okay, so what is it you do? Help me understand. And we went through this whole process. We started creating commercials. They're spending a lot of money per year on radio and television, other things too, but primarily there. And we started creating commercials that told how they have project managers and why that makes a difference, how they don't have any subcontractors, what a master craftsman actually is, what it means to slow down to do things right, and so on and so on and so on. And in the six years since we started doing that, their revenue per lead has gone up by 220%. Think about that for a minute. Revenue per lead, that's their major uh, thing that they really measure on. Revenue per lead, up 220%. Because now, when they show up, and by the way, this is a, a very high-end company. They're very expensive relative to their competitors. When they show up, people already know who they are. They already know how they're different. They already know why they're better. They already know what to expect with this company. And they close deals at higher prices than their competitors all day long. They're the biggest game in town. They're the biggest uh, in sales volume in every metric you can think of in that town. And they just kill it because they understand this concept. Yeah, It just I, works. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing, you know, when you're talking about the difference between, you know, hey, call now, you know, buy one, get one or, or whatever that offer is. It's it's a, a price basis, which is conveying to the customer, hey, if you act now, you can get it less expensive, cheaper, you know, whatever term you want to use for that. And I think when you go about what you're talking about, uh, it creates a value. And, and that's the biggest thing for me when I'm out there a lot of times, you know, face-to-face marketing, you know, the, the customer will say, well, hey, you know, are you guys, you know, cheapest in town? Are you really expensive? You know, where do you fit in the line? Can you give us a ballpark? That kind of stuff. And one of the things I always, you know, like to say is that, well, I feel we're the best value you know, because, and then you can tell that story. You can talk about, you know, what you're doing because at the end of the day, if you buy a cheap window, but it's a piece of crap and you got to replace it next week, not that there is any of those, but just to kind of prove a point, uh, or you have something that's so expensive and you got still bad experience and it, it just doesn't work out. It's, it's not good either. So it's really, you know, do you offer the best value, you know, to your consumer with what you offer on the back end, which is that story. It's, it's, it's those pillars uh, that, that really make that experience. Uh, and the other thing, you know, on marketing side of things that I always like to say is that, um, you know, when you're creating that lead, um, you know, we give them essentially what a marketer is selling is something for free. It's a free design service. It's a, you know, the estimate uh, for the salesperson to come out, but it, it's really not free. It's costing the homeowner uh, their time. And people always talk about, you know, time is money. You know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, the richest billionaire in the world or, you know, a homeless person with no money. You still only have 24 hours in a day. So we all have the same amount of time. And so when the value we give them about coming out and seeing them to give them the design and estimate their project outweighs their, you know, 60, 90 minutes, whatever your demo is, you know, they'll have you out. So I think that's the biggest thing is creating that value, which is what, this identity stuff really does for consumers is what can really help you get that time in the home to then tell that final story and get that sale at a higher dollar volume. Well, 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Let, let me give you one last analogy. You, you probably notice this. I'm the analogy guy. I, I love analogies because they, they just make things come alive a little bit better. Think about it this way. Uh, most of the listeners, not all, obviously, but from my audience, mostly men. So let's let's use a dating analogy. The way that most companies market themselves is the equivalent of a girl going to a bar to try to find a date, putting on her hottest clothes, doing her hair, the whole makeup, the high heels, all that whole thing, and walking into that bar and waiting for somebody to be attracted and come have a conversation. Now, that's an appropriate way to do things, but here's the question. Okay, you just met this girl at the bar. You ready to get married? No. You don't know a thing about this human. You don't know anything other than the what she looks like. That's the only point of reference you have. So you sit down at the, at the bar, you talk for 10 or 15 or 30 or, or 60 minutes. Now you know just a very surface level amount of stuff. Are you ready to get married? No, nope. you're ready to get married after you date for a long time. And while you're dating, here's what you're looking for. What is the real person all about? What is this person all about? And then you start to discover things like, wow, she really has a kind and, and caring heart. She's a leader at her company and she's done all these great things. Oh, she's involved in these kinds of activities and sports and she can play the guitar and she's great at karaoke and you know, all of these things and she's affected her family in all these positive ways. And it's like, wow. And then you fall in love with that person, right? Well, here's what we're trying to do in home improvement. Typically we're going over to a company like home advisor and saying, give me a lead. It's like walking into a bar. The person calls, you call them, you know, nothing about each other, zero. You show up at their house, you give them an hour, hour and a half sales pitch, which is the equivalent of putting your high heels on your makeup and your hair, and you're hoping that they marry you. That's, that's what's happening. What I'm suggesting is, why don't we take all of this stuff about you that's fantastic, and let's tell the story over time in advertising, ideally, but even if not ideally in advertising, Let's put it on your website. Let's make sure that your website tells the complete story about who you are, how you're different, why you're better, what people can expect. Let's tell specific stories that illustrate those identity points so that people can really get a feel for who they're doing business with. And here's what happens. It just works. And the reason it works is because it's 1 million percent human psychology. People want to do business with those that they trust. And the ones that they trust are the ones that can demonstrate that they have the values, that they, they behave and, and act in a way that is, that is uh, acceptable to that prospective client. But right now, we've, we've narrowed the traditional way of doing sales and home improvement. It's like picking up people at the bar. And it's just not a great way to do business. And those that understand this identity and have the ability to implement it and start to push it out there into the marketplace through advertising, through websites and other and other vehicles, they have a the competitive advantage is so colossal that it's not even funny. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey, uh, before we get to the last section of the show, one thing I would like to to add in here, you know, with identity, and it's something that you and I have been discussing quite about is, you know, the idea of that brand ambassador program, but more so importantly, 
the results that you can get from that and what it can do to help, you know, with identity, you know, which is, you know, reviews um, in, in building that review base that goes alongside helping tell the story, you know, of, of the website and the company and, and who they are, because, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it's essentially the customers saying that, yeah, who they are, their story, that is the story that they live. Uh, and, you know, could you just maybe spend a minute or two discussing, you know, your thoughts on the brand ambassador program and, and how that ties into, you know, identity and what you're trying to do for your clients. Yeah. Well, the listeners of my podcast, they, they get tired of me talking about the brand ambassador program because I won't shut up about it. I'm a huge fan of it. It's how, it's how we connected and why we're having this conversation. So I reached out to you and said, Hey, I need help with this brand ambassador for, program for my clients. Um, let me speak to one specific element of the brand ambassador program. I'm going to assume that your audience at least has a general understanding of it. Is that true enough or not? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Here's one thing I want to really focus in on then. And again, I'm couching this for people that understand the general premise of how it works and all the, all the different kind of points and pieces of it. When you go in there to get that review from your client, if you don't have an identity in mind, then it's very easy for your clients to give you generic general kinds of feedback. Hey, we love doing business with powers windows. They were fantastic. They're people really nice. We had a great experience. It was good value. We'd, we'd, we'd recommend it to anybody. It's just a bunch of platitudes strung together. Now that's better than not having that review by a, by a long shot, but here's even something better. What are the identity points that your company really is all about? Okay, now let's refresh that that customer as we go in to talk to them about this review. Hey, here's some of the things that we really stand for as a company. Did any of these things stand out to you as we did business with you? And you have a list there. And they say, well, yeah, the, the sales presentation, it didn't feel very high pressure. Okay, can you speak to that? And then the, the next person, you go into their house. Here's a list of of, uh, core values and and things that our company stands for. Did anything on this list really stand out to you as you did business with us? Or is there anything on here that really made the difference in you choosing us? Or is there anything on this list that while we were doing the project, we really shined and did well at? And they say, well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, the quality of the materials. Okay, well, what about that? Well, I like how when you guys remodeled my kitchen, you use these Moen faucets that are heavy duty, made out of metal, and they're not light, and they're not cheap, and they're not made out of plastic like some of the ones from China. Now, guess how they know that, by the way, Kyle? Because we've already told them that, because that's one of our identity points is that we use quality materials. And then they say that now in their review. Hey, we love doing business with Jericho Home Improvements because one of the things we really love the most is just their tremendous attention to detail and their commitment to quality. For instance, we had this situation and they did, they used these products and this, you know, whatever quality, 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 and they speak specifically to it. So now what happens is, uh, let's say a brand ambassador gathers testimonials and reviews from let's say 50 customers in a month. That seemed like a reasonable number. Yeah. Usually we, we try to focus on getting about 40 as a minimum. So 50 is okay. 40, 40 or 50. Yep. Okay. So 40 or 50. Now, instead of 40 uh, online reviews that are fairly generic, 
we've got 40 reviews. And let's say we can't get all of them to be super specific, but let's say we get half of them to focus in on something specific. Okay, now we've got 25 reviews that are highly specific about things that we're already communicating elsewhere to that customer. So now they're getting proof, social proof from these customers, not just that you're a good company, not just that we like this company, not just that we're happy that we did business with them, but oh my gosh, these guys didn't play any pricing games. It was pleasant. These guys gave me the quote and they stuck to it. These guys told me that they would finish on March 10th and they were finished dadgummit on March 10th. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, you telling the story is one thing. The customers telling that same story about you is just next level. I will, I will end with th this on identity. Specificity is your friend. It's what engenders trust. Specificity. Tell the story. Tell it specifically. Absolutely. And, and generally, you know, I, I ask for the last section of the show to be power's powerful point. Uh, but I'm not even going to ask for another point. I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and repeat what you just said right there because I think that's a huge. Well, I'll give you two powers points. Power point number one is is if you go through this process, identity becomes the hub of everything that you do in your marketing. It, literally, think of like a wheel with a hub and spokes, and the spokes are reaching out to, you know, your um, your website your print ads, mailers, online ads, your TV and radio ads, your home shows, phone scripts even, your in-home sales presentation, your search engine optimization, all of it is now coming from this hub called identity. If you don't have identity, if you're not clear what your identity is, then all of those things are gonna be kind of random and probably full of platitudes. And then to reiterate what I just said a minute ago, as you communicate this identity, if you go back to the definition I gave earlier, this, this part gets overlooked a little bit. Words, phrases, and images that are articulated with power, precision, and passion. Precision. Telling the story with power, precision, and passion so that people can really feel it, get the emotional connection, and this is where trust comes from. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, great stuff. Rich, I really appreciate your time on the show today. Uh, and for the listeners that may be interested in, in finding more about you and your business and what you have to offer, how can they get in touch with you? Well, a couple of ways. Uh, if your listeners are listening to this, then they are familiar with podcasts. I have a daily podcast, and uh, I think we've done about 600 episodes. Any marketing topic that is imaginably available that you're interested in, just go look on any podcast platform. Level 10 Contractor Daily Podcast, that's a great place to start. Another good place to start is my website, level10contractor.com. Uh, there's links to Amazon. I've got a book called Unlocking Unlimited Lead Flow that might be a good kind of entry point to get familiar with what we do. So those are, those are probably the best ways. Or people can just email me directly, rich at level10contractor.com. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to continuing to do more partnerships with you. You have a great day, Rich. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. See you. Thank you for listening to the Lead Gen Leaders Podcast. For a free consultation on how Tony Hody Training and Consulting can assist with your home remodeling business, please visit TonyHody.com. That's T-O-N-Y-H-O-T-Y.com. Thank you for listening.